Hello and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm in conversation with Faye McCalman. And we're going to be talking all things jazz. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to 2021 with the Watford Jazz Junction. It's got to be a better year than last, hey? Anywho, and what an absolute pleasure it is to be joined today by Faye. Saxophonist, clarinetist, vocalist, freestylist, composer, and all-round jazz Jedi. Hello. Hello. How's life? Keeping sane during lockdown? Yeah, just about. I think this one is a lot harder than the ones before. Um, But it's been so long now that I've lost all semblance of life before lockdown. So I have nothing to compare it to. (laughs) I think I'm sane. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, same, same, same for for these times. Mm. Um, so, thanks for coming on. Um, I, I got really excited and wanted to get you on uh, as soon as I saw you play um, at the London Jazz Festival back in November, when we were all virtually treated to a whole range of uh, shows. Um, and you were playing with Archipelago, uh, which sounded awesome. And I think it's John Pope on bass and Christian yes. Alderson on drums. That's yeah, right. Amazing. Yeah. Love oh, them. Thank you. So, so for others who might not know much about Archipelago, could you tell me mm. more? I mean, what's the setup? Yeah, so it's um, John Pope on electric bass, Christian Alderson on drums and various percussive things, and me on clarinet, saxophone, occasional synth and singing. And I write most of the tunes, but we do collaborate on them together as well. So we got together as a group of improvisers and we used to play with an acoustic piano as well and John played upright bass so it was much more of a jazz quartet and we would play like standards and um, I'd never written music before and then I I just started writing these tiny riffs and then we would take those and just jam on them together and we really liked that and then the piano player had to move away so John switched to electric bass and um, the whole sound became a bit more rocky and Christian's background is very much like playing in DIY sort of alt rock punk yeah, gigs yeah. and bands. And um, then I also really love songwriters as well as free improvisation. So it kind of just yeah. has now become this like melting pot of music inspired by jazz and improvising, but that also spills into other genres like rock and also it's like folk blues and minimalism and sort of like generally atmospheric sort of textures. Yeah, a, a friend of mine from years ago, we played in a band briefly together, wrote a song called I Do Not Fear Jazz. But I was thinking, actually, I think it should be I Do Not Fear Free Jazz because I think for a lot of people, it's the free improvisation bit that can freak them out of it. And yeah. when I was listening to this, it sounded really fluid and it all sort of made sense. It made my ears really focus. And I was thinking when you're playing it, because there's no there's not much space to hide in a trio, you're all so in tune with each other and, and really getting something. Is, is that why you like that, that sort of size of band? Well, to be honest, it, was, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was something I set up for my final year of uni recital years ago. <clears throat> and we all played together in this band called the Midnight Doctors, which is a much bigger band. And it's yeah. um, uh, Phil Begg's band. He's a great sort of ambient guitarist based in Newcastle. And he put together this like folk jazz big band and called it Funeral Jazz, I think. And um, (laughs) yeah, and uh, it was great. There was strings in it. There was 
vocalist and there were loads of different combinations of it but the core of it was sort of John and Christian as a rhythm section and then me on saxophone and Phil on guitar and then there were other horn players as well and uh, violinists and um, we didn't actually play together because we recorded our parts like separately in the studio and Phil said yeah. you three should really play together like I feel like you would work really well together and then I was like oh okay I, I need to put together something for this end of year gig um yeah. so i asked them and then basically we really enjoyed playing together for that and then we got a gig like kind of straight after i finished uni we just started gigging together and then like we spent about a year after pete the guy who played keys had to leave um we yeah. spent a year just playing together really in christian's rehearsal space and figuring out what it was now and then by the time we played together for so long like without even performing to people it sort of just felt like that's it was just very natural to do that so I hadn't actually thought about you know like oh it's a trio but I definitely like playing in a trio um like that with like three quite different voices because it does mean yeah. that everybody gets to do their thing and it you can it, it almost it's restricting being three of you but it's really freeing too yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't really imagine it in a bigger scale. Did the Midnight Doctors ever put anything out? Or was it just like yeah. a one-off? Yeah, it was great. It's such a good band. Um, I can't remember what... The f I think... Is it called End of Carnival at the End of the World or something? I'm not sure. It was what, nice. the first album... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the first album came out in like 2013-ish, I think. Right. And then the next album was 2015. Ish. and we did um we did a gig that was part of the free thinking festival on the late junction show um we like junctions yeah yeah jun <laughs> oh yeah um yeah. so yeah so the worst of it, it hasn't yeah feels quite like um we always ask him to do more because <laughs> we yeah. really want to but i think it's such a big undertaking so so what's your what's your story so you mm. where did you go to college was jazz always the thing you were going to do i want to know everything yeah suddenly. <laughs> um well i so i did not go to music college i right. studied at newcastle university and mm. i did do a year i got accepted onto a year to study in montreal um which was really life-changing for me and i did go to um it was a university, but the bit I was in was kind of like a jazz school. Um, it was very... So you weren't studying musical jazz? I, Is I that was, right? Uh, sorry, I was studying music at Newcastle Uni. Uh, so you were studying yeah. music and then you mm -hmm. went to Montreal and then it all got a bit jazz. Yeah, so I kind of got started... It. So I started um, on classical clarinet because that was what mm. was offered for free in school. And I, I came from like a single parent, quite low income household. So we got offered yeah. free clarinet lessons and everything that I got taught was um, classical. So I thought oh, I have to be, okay, this is what I have to do then. I have to be a classical clarinetist to keep doing music. Um, <clears throat> but as time went on, I realized I just really didn't fit in with that. And I couldn't, I, I don't know what it was, but I. I still love the structures and the the kind of um I don't know what the word is, kind of mathematical almost nature of some classical music. But I I kind of never I was always much better at improvising, but I didn't realise that was something that you were allowed to do. Um and then 
when I was in my second year of uni, my lecturer, he's amazing actually, he's called Gwili Edmondes, and he is an amazing experimental musician. He had a free improv gig and um, his saxophonist couldn't make it. And he asked us to describe um, in this lecture, like what kind of musicians we were. And I kind of ended up doing a bit of a monologue about how I didn't, I didn't really know like why I had to choose one way to describe myself and why, why does, if you say jazz, that means one thing. And then if you say this, it means another. And why is it like that? And then he was like, I think you should do this gig with me tonight. <laughs> and then, unbelievable. Um, so then I, that was the first time I improv like completely freely improvised. So so hold on a second. We we were talking about Shabaka Hutchings before we started to record, and I was thinking, yeah. there's a classical player who likewise yeah. has a very open relationship with jazz and comes yeah. and goes. And it's really yeah. interesting to hear your background, yeah. very similar, yeah. and it's like, hold on, hold on, yeah. there's something else here. It's fantastic. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I interrupted so, your flow. I all got excited. Oh, so that's okay. So and then, um, so then I that was the first time I free improvised and I got very into improvising and became very like purist about improvising <laughs> I was like I free improvise I don't play anything notated I am always spontaneously playing um and then I went to Montreal and it was a very strict jazz school and I had to really quickly um get on board with a lot of the tradition which was great for me and I it really changed the way I see playing actually and kind of bedded in this um understanding and feel for like the blues and sort of jazz going through time and then but then outside of school I got involved with the free improv scene so I was actually playing free improv gigs um every week with musicians there and but then going to school during the day oh they call uni school there um I was going to uni in the day and studying quite you know, doing transcriptions, playing the blues and um, studying quite traditional music, really. Um, but so that whole year was really like where I really got into doing my own thing, I guess. Um, but it wasn't until the end of that year that I, I'd gone so far into the free playing that I started to really miss songs. And um, I was like, oh, but I'm not allowed to do that. Like, I you know, I'm, I'm a free improviser that I, I have to play completely free. And then when I, but I just really, I just really liked it. So I thought, well, why don't I just go with that and see what happens? Um, and that's, to be honest, the past few years been what I've been doing, just exploring, giving yourself permission to write whatever music you want. And also to, you can write music and be an improviser, which I didn't know when I was younger. I think loads of people uh, listening will have thought about the relationship between structure and uh, freedom, uh, which is often associated with improvisation. And I've, I've got a, a whopping great book somewhere which someone gave me, which they couldn't get into. And I can't even remember what it's called, but it really goes into improvisation in a really academic way. And you sort of come out of it going, hold on, this is just philosophy. This is just sort of state of mind. Yeah. What, you know, can, is there any original thought? Is there anything that, you know, can't be influenced? I'm really interested, though, to hear about that foundation year that you had in Montreal where it was so academic and it was, yeah. you know, you were doing the transcriptions and whatnot. But at the same time, your inner self is going, I need freedom, I need space and whatnot. Has that men managed to blend for you professionally to say structure is important? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, but then likewise, the space to, to, to for your own voice to express itself. I just really love to know. I'm sure others would. 
Yeah, for me, I feel most free now when I have limitations and structures. So mm. I now um, feel like it's sort of a paradox because you have to have a structure because then otherwise you don't have anything to go outside of is how I feel. Um, so even if it's just, uh, you know, the structure doesn't have to be a score or anything formally sort of set in stone it can even just be like the structure is i'm gonna play music that um makes me think of this landscape or i'm gonna improvise thinking about this color or this emotion and that's sort of how i work and then you can just take it to varying degrees it might be like oh, i want to completely write this song from start to finish and there's no improvising but even then I, I think there is improvising in that because as soon as you play your instrument or you sing a note the way you play it or sing it is improvised really you can never fully control what comes out no, um, absolutely yeah so I kind of feel like now I, I feel kind of like there are a lot of rules sometimes in free improvising and it shouldn't be like that um, because it's actually more about connecting with your own voice and like being guided by that in the moment yeah. um, rather than being like okay we've got to do we've got to do this like this because then all of, uh, for me that just doesn't feel free anymore but I also I do love that kind of style of like really avant-garde improvising and it really influences um, a lot of what I do now I know you're composing right now right I am um, Tell us about that. What's the project? Love to know. Yes. Well, I've actually just finished it. Yay. Um, well, not yay. I'm well sad. I, I miss it. It's like a friend now that I've been spending so much time with it. But it's so a project that I've been working on for a commission by New Creatives North. And it's the BBC Sounds. And I focused on talking with musicians based in the North about how their class has affected them getting into music and then how their experiences of sexism and racism also play into that feeling of how much they belong and it mainly came out of um, just thinking about how expensive music is to do right. and no one really talks about it like people don't really talk about money that much and I was like am I the only one that thinks this is really expensive and sort of realizing that there's actually a lot of difficulties if you don't come from a sort of wealthier background or even you know just a, what a lot of people would probably consider to be an averagely like an average income um yeah so it got me thinking about that and sort of how i was only able to learn through having the free clarinet lessons um and it just sort of yeah it really in, it does really interest me and i don't hear that many voices of like northern artists as well just in when people are talking about poverty you often hear like statistics and that's yeah. really that's sad but you don't really get a feel for the actual humans behind it um so i wanted so i did some interviews with musicians and i've sampled their voices speaking about their experiences and i've also sampled some tiny bits of their music and then i've um just recorded myself layering up lots of different sounds and saxophone yeah. voice clarinet and occasionally like hitting things around my house to get percussion you're either the only black person or you're the only woman <laughs>
So me being here is already a way for me to kind of dismantle something, dismantle something. It's powerful stuff. You you were kind enough to share with me a couple of the, the tracks earlier in the week, and I've listened to them um, two or three times, um, which isn't probably doing them justice enough because they are multi-layered. But I, th I think one way to describe them is that there's a there's a political or there's a social commentary that's absolutely weaved into it. And, you know, some of the words I took out, um, which are just direct quotes from what people are saying, dismantle, hierarchy, belonging, power change. Um, that's the sort of stuff of sort of almost like socialist mm. um, uh, academic writing, right? Yeah. But at the same time, because they're the voices of the people that are, are writing that music, it's like, this isn't someone else. This is real. This is what people are feeling. And these yeah. are the words that, that they want to share. Do you associate with that and that real sort of, struggle isn't the word but that power that fury that built up something because it's yeah. visceral you can really hear it absolutely yeah um, absolutely I do I mean I, I felt really I felt really sad and angry after talking to people because right. this is um people who have like gone into a room and been like the only black person in the room and as a white person I don't know what that feels like and and it made me think about how I've been in a room and there's only been one black person there and I haven't no I haven't understood how that would feel for them and then hearing people say like yeah that was really hard for me I don't think we acknowledge enough how how difficult it is if you don't have that much money I, as like a very basic standpoint it's like you know what do you do because I think it's uncomfortable for people to talk about these things but then it's actually mm. a kind of moment of discomfort but then it's much better when you actually just talk about it because yeah. it's real um and I do yeah I do kind of yeah I don't like <laughs> I don't like the Tories and I don't you know obvious like I mean that's a fairly that's almost quite a mainstream opinion but it's just that I I kind of have um always struggled with a sense of like injustice and I, I feel like I've never quite been able to be like oh that's just the way things are as I do and I, sometimes you know it's hard to be you don't want to be angry all the time um no. but it's but that I, 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 yeah I, I totally get what you're, you're saying yeah. because at some point these are just really simple things right this is yeah. the color of my skin this yeah. is my uh gender or how yeah. I identify yeah this is this is my wealth or yeah. lack of it yeah and there isn't yeah but it's like while that remains a barrier or an issue there is nothing else right now that needs to be understood and tackled yeah and i think it comes through so so powerfully the, the second track um music is a safe place apart from the wisdom and the beauty of that that expression of music being a safe place there's a, a sort of i think the word escapism flows in and out of it um uh I mean, as as does the vocal riff, music is a safe place, which is you singing it, I think. Yeah, it yeah? is, yeah. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. no. um, if I've tried to describe it, and we hopefully can play it, actually, but there's polyrhythmic dissonance. Is that yeah. the sort of vibe that you're going for, where it's like, this isn't necessarily easy, but once you're in it, there's a, I don't know, it's a moulded sense of togetherness. 
Oh, that's really nice. I love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. I haven't ever thought of it in such a concise way. But that is God, true. no one ever says I'm concise. I'll take there that, Faye. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but I think as what I wanted to do with that, and actually with the other songs too, and uh, like overall when I'm writing stuff, is create a, quite an escapist world. But then woven into that world is like quite realistic things that are quite hard. But it means that you get to reframe them and you get to like almost you kind of get to have power over them almost. So you're kind of taking them out of a situation which is quite bleak and then you're putting them into a a different otherworldly situation and it's quite hopeful then. And especially with that song, I wanted to I wanted to write something that was um, kind of like you were saying, like disjunct, but very, um, but it moves along, like it's always rolling forward. So it's kind of got this feeling of, almost calm to it but even though it's going it's kind of not it's not perfect and that's why I quite what I quite like about rhythms and melodies is like when they are a bit flawed because I I feel like that's a bit more true to being a person it's kind of like an escape for me it doesn't matter what it sounds like It sounded sort of perfect to me as a thing, but of course its imperfections are not ironed out. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that that I think you get that real human connection mm-hmm. connection back in. Um, also, just on the, on the other track, The Only One, another thing mm-hmm. I wrote down when I was just listening to it, it's like, that's interesting because you're blowing down one of your horns, be it the clarinet or the saxophone, but not actually getting the reed to vibrate. And so you're just getting this every so often. And it's brilliant. It, it, yeah. You really hear this breath of like an absolute Ooh. deliberate voice and it might be accidental but I don't yeah. know if it was deliberate but either way is two or three times I'm like that's so interesting what does it mean yeah you know, I it's lo- just how I music using... means other people yeah I'm glad yeah I love using the sound of the breath in um yeah. in music so it's just a it's just a cool sound so when can people hear that when can they um access it or do you know much about it in terms of I what's ha- going to happen I don't at the moment um it will be on BBC Sounds at some point in the next year unfortunately that's terrific well watch watch this watch this face but you know when you see Faye McGowan's name um and uh was it New Creative North uh check it out because from one who's had a little sneak uh preview it it really is fabulous so you you were were talking earlier about Montreal which means you got to say I played Montreal when I was just in my third year at uni yeah um what, what, what what other places you played I mean certainly in the UK where do you like to play um so uh in the uk god this is like it feels so hard to say because gigs feel yeah. so um so long ago oh actually uh one of my favorite places is lancaster jazz festival Ooh, that is go on. such an amazing festival and the it's got a really good like community feel and the musicians all hang out together and you can you go and watch other people's shows and you support your friends and then the audiences are really 
um, open and encouraging and you end up like making friends with the audiences too and it's like the whole city is just really into the music that's happening and there's no real feel of like distance between the musicians and the people working at the festival and the audience and um, th they also booked Archipelago for our first out of Newcastle gig ever because um, well, they're very wise well yes so it's like I feel like <laughs> they've been there you know from I can't remember how long ago. that's probably about four or five years ago and then I've been there in some form every year since and it feels like they've just really yeah they they will really help you grow is it a summer festival it's in uh it's usually in September oh so any luck it should happen again this year right that would be amazing if it could yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed for them. Well, fingers yeah. crossed for all the festivals, you know. Yeah. Tricky, tricky times. Yeah. So, um, who else is exciting you in the jazz scene? Well, um, Jay Frisco, really good friends of mine, and Archipelago collaborated with them as well. I, actually, that was at Lancaster Jazz Festival. <laughs> um, yeah, but cool. they, but I love Jay Frisco. I think they're what they do is amazing, and I, I love the, um, the sound of them together is really cool. And uh, they've got like a really visceral nature to their music, which I like. And but then it can also go from being like really um, kind of powerfully angry to being very like soft and meditative, which is cool as an audience member to go and experience. Um, who else? They've also uh, got a really cool name just for the record. Yeah. Jay Frisco has got to be up there. Yeah, it is a cool name, isn't it? And it kind of, like, I don't want to know the reason behind it because I like the mystery of not knowing. Um, yeah. Um, oh, who else? Well, Laura Cole is an amazing pianist based in Leeds and um, her oh. band are called Metamorphic. I really... Laura Cole. I, I, I genuinely, yeah. I don't think I've heard her name. That's, that's a great tip. What, yeah. what, what type of stuff is she doing? Um, so her music is also fairly crossover. She improvises... Um, but writes music that crosses between jazz and folk. Really yeah. cool. But since I'm pressing you anyway on these things, I'm now going to do my classic interview style question. So, Faye McCowman, Desert Island Time, what are your yes. three go-to albums of all time? Oh, I don't care. Of, go to of the last year. Whatever so, you want. So, well, I'm actually really bad at remembering album names. <laughs> I'm quite a, like, I will listen to one song off an album over and over and over again. Um, really mm. interesting but not know the rest of it. So, okay, I'm going to pick three. One would be, it would have to be a Joni Mitchell album. I'd say potentially blue, but maybe, I'm just having a look now. <laughs> maybe um, I would take Clouds by Joni Mitchell with me. Um, that's it. That's a given. We're loving yeah. Joni. Yeah, and I would take Outward Bound by Eric Dolphy. Ooh, um, haven't had much talk of Eric Dolphy on, on yes. this podcast. That's really? interesting. Oh, he's one of my favourite musicians. Um, he inspires me so much. Finally, I would take... Oh, an Esperanza Spalding album. I All love right. her. Yeah, I listen to her. I'd take 12 Little Spells. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, a, got, that's a crack, yeah. Yeah, because that's got songs you can dance to on it and songs you can yeah. sit with. Yeah, I yeah, love... I really musician. love her work. Yeah. Super. So I'm going to introduce you, Faye, now, as we're coming to the end of this fantastic conversation, um, to uh, our house band, uh, as regular listens, listeners will know. Up front at the minute, we've got uh, Peter King uh, on sax, uh, Mark Nightingale on trombone, and Dizzy Gillespie is still holding out on trumpet. 
wow. and hiding in the back there, we've got G. Callington, uh, Jacko Pistorius, and Jeff Hamilton on drums, care of a, a recent swap from Emma Smith. <laughs> and then, because we always have a, a space for an extra floating musician, we've also got Leanne Carroll on vocals and backup Ooh. keys, because we know that uh, G. Nice. Callington keeps nipping off for a wee every so often. Um, <laughs> So all all you all you need to do, Faye, is think: Is that the perfect band? And if not, I will allow you my my gift to you. You may change one of the musicians. Well, that does sound like a very incredible band. I can't even imagine. I'm just sort of selfishly imagining myself in a band with Duke Ellington and Dizzy Gillespie, and that's really exciting. Um, but I'm not. No, I'm not saying I'm going to swap myself in there. No. Oh, I was looking no. for the moment. <laughs> it's finally happened. <laughs> My ego has got to like. It's got. It's got time to get to that level. So I was actually. Who was on alto sax? Uh, Peter King. So I would swap. I would put Vi Red in on alto sax. Uh, she was an incredible. She's still alive, actually. Alto saxophonist and singer, and I listen to her all the time. I take loads of influence from her. Um, when I was just trying to figure out how to do a little bit of singing alongside playing saxophone, she was who I listened to a lot. She's got a really smoky voice, and she plays a lot of sort of soul influenced jazz music. Oh, fantastic. Well, we're going to take that and we'll take that as probably a fourth recommendation or probably the tenth, tenth recommendation from this session <laughs> yeah. for someone else to go and listen to. So Vi Red has kicked Peter King out of the band. Sorry, and, Peter. Uh, and, and, and others, and others uh, remain strong for now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Safe. Cool. Well, thank you, Faye, so much for joining us. Um, uh, you're an absolute superstar. We're very thankful as well that you let us play one of your uh, tracks or a bit of one of them in, in, in the podcast today. And uh, yeah, we wish you all the best for the future. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, we'll see you in Watford soon. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.